This is Danny Jolkin, and you're listening to the Level Flight Podcast. Welcome into the second edition of LFP Live. We are live here on a Sunday morning, February 25th. The Jets last played on Friday night, but we were here last Sunday. Brian wasn't. He was at the lake, um, but he's back. Elliot's not oh, here, I'm back. but you know, Brian's filling in. Brian, how are we doing? I'm doing great. I got my morning coffee. I'm ready to uh, make myself you know, feel productive on a Sunday morning when I'm usually not, so... Uh, you know, I think last week was my my last level of I'm gonna just do nothing on Sunday except watch LFP live. <laughs> yes, yeah. Hey, man, it's it's part of the Sunday schedule now. Um, obviously, Saturday mornings you're watching Illegal Curve, um, 9 a.m. just like this. We don't quite go for two hours like they do, um, but we aim to do kind of the same thing. Um, let's start with the the Jets' most recent game that I brought up. They beat the Blackhawks three two in overtime. Not the best game in in a lot of ways. I mean, it's the Chicago Blackhawks, and you you need overtime to beat them. But they got the two points, as all the players and the coach would say. Um, what did you think of that game, like as a whole in general? Did you think the Jets kind of let the Hawks hang around for way too long? Because that's what I that's that that was my main takeaway that they could have put them away a ton of times late in that second, early in that third, and just just didn't. Yeah, you, you can't let the worst team in the league you know, take you to the brink like that. And like, it wasn't as if like there were, you know, points when the jets were clearly, clearly outplaying them, but you should be outplaying that team for a full 60 and not worry about having it go the additional time. And I know people are, you know, like the, Oh, every game is uh, you know going to be tough, but I'm like, if you're a really, really good team, you shouldn't be challenged by the worst teams in the league. <laughs> Um, hey, they got, and t- tonight they got another one against Arizona, who's lost. Yeah. I think their last twelve games. I think oh, it's twelve, or it might be eleven. But yeah, that's a, they've they've got us right where they want us. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But no, like they they gotta they gotta sharpen up against these teams that are clearly weaker. Um, we've seen this in the past. They've had far more difficulty with San Jose than uh, you know they should. They've uh, had games that have been too close against Chicago. Like I know they haven't, they've only lost the one in overtime in Chicago. Um, But that was one of those games too, where they were utterly dominant for the entirety of the game, but could not convert. So yeah, I, I, that was my biggest takeaway was just, can we not keep Chicago so close? Yeah. And you know, it it was different from that sharks game last Wednesday where the jets only won one, nothing. But I think the expected goals I was looking after were like four and a half to one and a half. So the Jets should have like completely blown them out of the water. They controlled play the entire time. This one was different. The third period, like the Hawks were all over the Jets. They were cycling the puck. They were getting shots. Um, and it wasn't great. Before, I want to ask you about the lines. But before we do that, thank you to everyone who's here live with us Sunday morning, right at 9 a.m. Yeah. We'd love to see that. 
Um, usually more people roll in as they wake up here on Sunday, but we got a good amount of people here right now. So thanks. Setting their alarms. Here. Oh yeah. Um, le- good morning. Level play podcast from Matt Hyman. Thank you. Good morning to you good as well. Morning, Matt. Thanks for joining us on this Sunday morning, Brian. They switched the lines on Friday. Yes, they did. Cole Perfetti. Cole Perfetti went down to the fourth line. Alex Ifolo went up to the second line. Um, the top line remained Connor, Shifley, Velarde, and uh, and and they kind of got shelled. What do you make of that switch of Perfetti and Ifolo and the top line getting outplayed at five on five once again? Yeah. Well, see, this is where there is a great deal of issue that I have with, um, you know, line construction. And I don't necessarily take issue with Cole Perfetti getting uh, a message sent to him. If it wasn't just him getting the message, like, let's be real. Alex Iafalo has done nothing to earn a second line bump. Um, and here we are getting that bump. But like my issue though, is you can change the lines all you want. Um, if that top line is still together, you, it's not going to go well for you because at this point, like you are getting absolutely caved at five on five. They, I, I was doing uh, some work for a piece that I put out yesterday that uh, I noticed among all Jets lines who have played at least 80 minutes together, they are the worst in Corsi and expected goals for, and now they have a flat 50%, six goals for, six goals against a five on five. Like as a top line, you need to be outplaying the opponents. You cannot be breaking even because if you're breaking even as your number one offensive unit, you're going to start losing games at five on five, which they have been, but they've been bailed out by their suddenly red hot power play. Um, and yeah, it's it's been it's been so and- frustrating to see because yeah. like, it's, it's clear and obvious that that top line is struggling and nothing is being done yes and like you said they're, they're breaking even at even strength and on the power play they're heating up so that's the reason for me why things haven't changed yet at, at five on five like that line maybe he's giving them a little bit more leeway because they're making up for it on the power play they're not really uh breaking even but we've said many times the process matters and the process is saying that they shouldn't be breaking even. They're kind of getting lucky in that sense. Um, and again, you've seen dominant periods out of that line. Like they got shelled for the first two periods in the Vancouver game. Third period, absolutely turned it on and won the Jets the game. Uh, both goals came at even strength. So it's, it's like really hit or miss with that line. And uh, Friday night against the Blackhawks, it was a miss because that third period felt like every time the Jets were getting hemmed in, it was that line that was on. Um, and, and yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it going forward because, you, like you said, you need your top line to be good, especially if you're going to, you know, get the one seed in the central and, and win in the playoffs. So um, we'll, we'll see if it changes, but that line just has to be better at even strength in terms of those analytics. I know they're breaking even, so it doesn't look too bad, um, but still. Uh, Doug here says, thought it should have been Baron who moved up instead of I followed to that second line. Before we get into that, the, the second line itself, I thought looked great. Uh, Monaghan and Ehlers, they've been playing together this whole time, but they showed great chemistry. Ehlers obviously had the two goals. I mean, let's just talk about those for a second. <laughs> the yeah. two goals that he scored. That first one, I didn't even think went in. I was like, why is he celebrating? That clearly went off the post. And then <laughs> the replay showed that it yeah. was in the net for about a tenth of a second and then yep. went out to the blue line because he shot it so hard. Um, but yeah, wow, what a shot. And then the second one, 
winds it up, banks it off the boards to himself, goes in between three Hawks defenders, chips it to the middle, and shoots it blocker side on Mrazic just just because he can. Uh, yep. It's ridiculous. Um, what do you think of that second line and and Ehlers? Cool. Well, I'm gonna start by saying you know you've had a good night when the NHL's Instagram account puts out a poll asking which of your goals was better. <laughs> like yeah. I, I honestly can't remember ever seeing that, but I mean, what do you with think? him, like which one? I mean, the coast to coast. It has to be like the, really? the shot is incredible, but also Ehlers himself said he was just like I just wound up and hoped. Uh, <laughs> that was that, funny because like, it was funny. Yeah. Uh, Dan Robertson was like, "Hey, yeah, how did uh, how did that uh, you know go in? Was it was it, did you pick your spot?" And he goes, "No." No. <laughs> like, thanks <Yeah. laughs> thanks nick here we go yeah yeah um but no i mean the second line was good and i i feel like it, the biggest thing was uh just having really the duo of monahan and ehlers because for most of the night i i didn't really notice alex i follow out there mm. um like there was moments where i'd be like okay there he is but I felt like the the two names that I heard the most on that line, obviously Ehlers, because he was the one doing all the wild stuff. But um, yeah, I, I found that those two specifically together looked really good. And I'm curious to see sort of, I, I don't necessarily want to start prodding at this already, but was there a level of just you know lack or a lack of chemistry with Cole Perfetti that you just swap out and maybe something changes? I'm not saying that I follow as the, you know, the be all end all there and ended up just being like the, the duo, but it's something to, I think to watch moving forward. And honestly, like Perfetti and Nemeskov had chemistry together. I thought they looked great in their limited minutes again uh, against Chicago. I think their first shift, Nemeskov rang one off the post or off the crossbar. Um, and they had some really good shifts. Him, uh, Perfetti, Nemeskov, and Baron was the fourth line. And if you are taking the Jets and trying to balance them out as best you can, I honestly think this might be the line, the, the forward lines. Uh, like we know the top line is struggling, um, but I, I'd kind of bet on a bit of a bounce back from them. But if Bones is planning on rolling four lines, these are four like balanced lines. And uh, and if you can get that top line going and just the, the Lowry line, we know they're consistent. They're going to shut down the other team's top line. Um, and, then, and then Perfetti and Nemeskov get that chemistry back together. I I don't hate it. I, I I do definitely want to see a run of games with this because if he can roll four lines and Perfetti and Emeskov can generate from the fourth line, um, the Jets may have found maybe their best like depth combinations in a while here. Again, the caveat there obviously being that the top line isn't even really pulling their weight in terms of the analytics, but yeah, um, that 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 obviously needs to change. Um, C Mac here saying Monhan could have had two or three highlight real goals as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think another thing on that second line was Ehlers was making all the plays, all the transition, the entries, you know, we we know that. But Monaghan and IFL are both really good on the forecheck and knocking pucks down. Um, so having two forecheckers, Monaghan has a little bit of offensive ability. I follow kind of just your crashing the crease guy. Um, if you have two forecheckers that can win the puck and then get it to Ehlers and just let him kind of cook, that line could let work. Uh, just let him cook. Like, honestly, I think, uh, I think that's, that's a possibility for that line. Um, let, let's yeah. See Mac also saying he loves Perfetti on the fourth line with the Meskov. Want to see that for the playoffs. Make, make those guys the best fourth line in hockey. I mean, the jets with their depth can definitely find a combination where they have the best fourth line in hockey. Um, Scott Billick even threw out the idea of 
well, if Perfetti's on the fourth line, um, is this maybe the lineup that the Jets are looking to run the first game of the playoffs and adding another top six forward in replacement of Alex Ayafalo? That might be something as well. We haven't talked about yep. another top six forward, really, because they already acquired Monaghan. But um, what did you think of just the way they ran all, all of their lines? Did you Do you like the the depth? or would you, I mean, we both want to see Perfetti back up, I think. I, I mm -hmm. do, but if the fourth line works, like, I don't know. That's that's kind of well, where I'm at. My whole thing is I believe the lineup is better when Cole Perfetti is playing more minutes. And just with his ability to see the ice, I feel like that works really well. And if you are rolling four lines, if you like that's the thing, like you're not gonna get an immense amount of finishing talent on on that fourth line. But you're also probably matching up against opponents that don't know how to, you know, deal with that level of passing skill. Yeah. So the the thing is for me is less so where he is. It's just how much he's playing. And I'm looking at this here. Um, that line, if you are rolling four lines, you have to bring it up mm. a little bit. They only played six minutes and 22 seconds of uh, even strength ice time together. Mm. Um compared to the next highest, which was IFL Monahan Ehlers, which was at 914, Appleton Lowry Niederreiter, which I will say also got absolutely which was weird. run over. Yeah. Bizarre, yeah. which <laughs> yeah. we'll get to that. They had 1035, and then Connor Shifley Villardi had 1257 of five on five. So yeah. you you need to bring that fourth line up a little if you are going to actually drop a skill guy like Perfetti down there, because yeah. if you're not playing him, like there's really there's no real benefit to it. Yeah, and Matt brings up a great point here. Like, it takes pressure off of him. And right now, I mean, I think everyone can admit he's struggling. He, I think he only has one assist in his last 12 games, I want to say. I think it was 1-11 yeah. going into the, the Hawks game. Um, but he's struggling. And uh, when he's not producing, his his flaws as a as a, as a point producer are, are highlighted. And, uh, yeah, taking pressure off of him right now, putting him on the fourth line, letting him refine his game. With a guy who he had chemistry with earlier in the season, I don't think is the the worst idea in the world. Um, yeah, I, I, let's let's switch the topic here. I mean, Connor Hellebuck got the start. Um, he held the minute honestly for that third period, which, like we've said many times, um, kind of it's kind of weird that they let the Hawks hang around and needed Hellebuck to kind of steal it there in the third. Um, but going into today's game, um, I would assume Hellebuck gets the start again. Um, I'm not 100% sure. It's, it's a 5 o'clock game. They, they don't play again till Tuesday. Um, and uh, what do you expect to see out of the Jets here? Like, we we kind of need them to dominate a game here, especially against a team that's lost 11 straight, 12 straight. I don't know the official number yeah. in the, with the it's Coyotes, but it's up there. Um, longest losing streak in the NHL. Bone said is in. Thank you, Matt. Okay. Um, so Hellbuck's playing. They're acing their A lineup. Um, I guess team that's lost 12 straight. What are your expectations for tonight? See, my my personal expectations is that regardless of how this team is playing, they should absolutely bury the, the Yotes. It is 100% a better team than what they are facing. Um, my expectations, however, are every time we play a team that is on such a bad stretch, they hang around. Yeah. And it it frustrates me because this has been an issue for years, it seems. Um, but no, I need to see them come out incredibly fast. 
and put up a couple in the first period. Because if you get to the second and third period and you're just not able to score, um, suddenly one fluke goal from the Oats either ties it or puts them ahead. Like I and I'm sorry, yeah. like you cannot lose to a team that can't beat anyone right now. <laughs> Hold on, I'm checking to see if uh, Veg- uh Carol Vimelka is starting. No, okay, there's no honoring official confirm. Oh, it is okay. Okay. Well, actually, that's not even better because, anyways, um, D- Doug here saying, um, need Lo- Lauren Brassois to get more starts down the stretch to keep Hellbuck fresh for the playoffs. March is coming, and the Jets are going to be playing, I believe, it's 16 games in 29 nights. So Lauren yep. Brassois is going to be playing a fair bit because they're not going to run Hellebuck like 13 of those 16 games. Like, they're, I think it's like, Every there's the first week where they get like two days off and have a back to back. And then the rest of the month is like game day off, game day off, game day off the entire month. So um, Lauren Brassois is going to get his starts, especially in the month of March. And he should. He's been fantastic. And uh, I mean, I would have started him either against Chicago or today just because or Tuesday against St. Louis as well. Yeah. I mean, maybe you I mean, want Hellbuck. That that's actually a playoff team in St. Louis or like a yeah, fringe well, playoff the thing, team. Like, yeah. I I don't want to you know fall into the whole uh, play your backup against the worst teams. But like you've played two really bad teams in a row here. I would have given at least one of them to Brassois, especially with like reward him for the uh, the effort he put in his last start. Yeah, like I feel like he has earned the right to take a couple more starts onto his uh, his workload if if it you know if he struggles at all, like obviously you've got Hellebuck to sort of retake control, but I just, I need to see him. I, I, I totally agree with, with Doug there where I need to see him more because I always find that getting right down to the end of the season, I start worrying is Hellebuck going to tire out if they make a run, mm-hmm. which so. I honestly, this year I, I uh, will have to wait and see in March, but I think that there, that won't happen this year. Last year, it, I think it's all pretty fresh in our memory because, again, it was last year. But the Jets were fighting for their playoff lives, and their last like 16 games were almost like must win. Like every game was like, wow, they got to win this because Calgary's right behind them, Nashville's right behind them. They they've got to fight their way in. Hellbuck started the final 16 games, I believe, um, and then in the first round, I mean, did he look tired out? I'm not sure. You you'd only ever get that answer from. From him, and you might not even ever get that answer publicly, but no, starting 16 games going into the playoffs can't be good. Um, and then that's why they paid big money for a backup. So this is this is it. Um, a big money for a backup in air quotes. Like usually teams just go with the league minimum guy, especially when you have a Vesna candidate, but the Jets paid almost two million for Brassois. They gotta play him. Um, Matt bring up a great point here. Jets might ha- Jets might not have a full practice until April. Bones has actually asked about this and uh I believe it was Kelly Moore who alluded like, oh, it looked like a, a tough skate out there because you might not practice for a while. And Bones is basically like, yeah, like we have so many games coming up. We might not practice until April, um, which is everything's going to be optional. Just like don't yeah. don't die on the ice, please. And it's also it's it's knowing that that they might not practice until April. It's nice that we've seen the power play kind of come around here before they have to completely shut down their practice time. Like at least they found something um, because if they were still on this 0 for 30, let's say streak going into this uh, stretch where they're not going to be practicing for a month, I'd be a lot more concerned because they won't have time to work on it except for in games, watching video, stuff like that. Um, but Hey, 
here they are. Um, lots of games in March. That'll be fun for us. Just talking about games all the time, probably like four games an episode because they're playing every other day. Um, Doug agrees with your take. LB should have gotten one of these games. I mean, yeah, in hindsight, I, I think I agree. I, I, I would have played him today. Um, yes, C-Mac. Chevy made the right decision getting Monaghan early so that he could get into practices before the schedule gets crazy. That was one of my favorite things about the trade right when it happened was the fact that he's getting 35 games instead of 20, um, which would have happened if they traded for him right at the deadline. Brian, what are your thoughts so far of Monaghan? I mean, obviously he had the natural hat trick, um, but in games where he maybe hasn't even been producing, what have you liked about his game? As the second line center, his chemistry with Ehlers, like what are some of the, the biggest positives there that you've seen in kind of this, he has so much runway before the playoffs to even get better. I mean, it looks already like him and Ehlers are establishing something. Yeah. Um, but I I think I, I was doing a lot of watching for, um, you know, the specific thing on the power play. Um, I think... And I'm not 100% sure. It almost seems like the rest of the league has taken notice of the fact that Monaghan would, he's got like, I think, 19 power play points this year. So they're keeping an eye on him a little closer. And it feels as if uh, they're opening up space for other people to remove the shot from Monaghan. And I honestly feel like that might be his biggest value is that on the power play, I mean, it also helps that they're starting to run things through through Velarde now a bit more north south, yeah. which is a long time coming. That's a whole yeah. other conversation. Um, but yeah. Monahan now being in that spot, you're now seeing teams respect that, and it opens up just a little bit more runway for some of these other guys. That you're, I think that's what's contributing to the success. I'm not 100 percent sure if that's the case. I, I, it just seems though that once he officially sort of got established suddenly the power play started clicking and I it's obviously it coincides with the slightly different movements, but yeah, it, uh, it, it seems like that could be his biggest piece of value there. Even if he's not the one scoring, like he's, he's taking up a pass. Yeah. And like we, we saw that when the jets had an unbelievable power play, you know, line a Shifley Wheeler uh, Bufflin at the top, like that was Shifley in the bumper took things away had people come to him and then the cross seemed to line a would be there. If they hounded line a, which they often did because he was lethal from the left circle, then Shifley would be open in the bumper. Like having a, a good bumper um, really does open up a lot. Like Matt said here. Um, and that's huge. And rebel here chiming in saying the playoffs basically start immediately after the all-star break. Everyone is scoreboard watching and praying it is in Edmonton in round one. I will say now like that, that is a hundred percent true. Uh, everyone is praying that they don't get Edmonton in the first round, but I think it's Vancouver, Vegas, and Edmonton are all four, five, and one in their last ten. Um, and the Jets, I believe, are are five, four, and one after their latest win against Chicago. So yeah, like they're five like, and three after the All Star break. So, and it's it's like as much as we make of the Jets' struggles, and and they're definitely there, and they're they're real, um, and they haven't looked like themselves at five on five. It's like these teams, like Edmonton last night against Calgary, Stuart Skinner got lit up. Maybe that becomes another issue for them down the stretch here. Feels like that happens every year. We're like down the stretch, uh, suddenly Calgary, like specifically against Calgary. Edmonton, just comes alive and drops like it drops seven on them or something. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's bizarre, but it like clockwork, it always happens in the second half of the, like of the season. And 
suddenly people start freaking out being like, oh no, are they falling back into it? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you watched that game last night, but that was a great game. The battle of Alberta never, never, ever disappoints. It, it was never. great. Um, still need that big shot from the point to really open things up on that power play. I think Gabe Velarde made a joke about this in, in one of his pressers saying like, I'd like to see Josh shoot the puck more from the point, which I would too. I mean, keeping them honest, having more shots from the point, you have Monaghan there, you have Velarde who would crash um, at the time of the shot, getting deflections. Like, I think that's another way you can open up the power play. But as of right now, the Jets have really found something in that triangle there on the left side with Shifley, Velarde, and Monaghan. So um, maybe playing off of that and finding ways to get it to Morrissey to break the triangle and, and move the power play over, that would be a great idea um, as well. Most of what your second line for incredible first half of your season is a fourth line. So opponents have to go against two second lines, three, including the Lowry line. That's from C-Mac. I mean, yeah, the Lowry line has played like a second line this year. Um, uh, absolutely. And having that kind of depth in the playoff would be in the, in the playoffs, excuse me, would be fantastic. And if the Jets first line can get to a sustainable level here, um, that's, that's absolutely going to be huge for them. Um, let's take our break here. Um, we're going to hear a word from our sponsor, DraftKings, and we'll be right back. There's a lot to talk about in terms of the Jets' attendance, um, some of the reports that have been coming out lately. So we'll be back to talk about that. Stick around, and we'll be, we will be right back after this word from DraftKings. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code THPN. New customers bet $5 on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 7 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024, all rights reserved. And we are back on the second edition of LFP Live. Thank you to everyone who's here live with us Sunday mornings. Um, we were super excited to keep this rolling going forward. Um, Rob saying in chat that he's seen my face a few times, but who's the bearded guy? Um, wow. Brian, take it I, away. I don't know who I am. Listen, <laughs> it's Sunday morning. There's yeah. no better time for an existential crisis. Um, <laughs> but no, if, if, uh, if, you're, if you're new here... Um, Elliot's not with us today, but mm-hmm. uh, myself, Brian, um, if you haven't met me, hello. Um, <laughs> but yeah, myself, uh, Connor and Elliot, uh, we all co-founded the uh, the LFP in uh, November of 2022 now, which is wild to me. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, so we all stop in every once in a while. It seems like these days it's hard pressed to find all three of us fully available for an episode or a live, but yeah. we all try and... Uh, um, you know, 
we, we're, we're here when we can. And at the very least, there's usually two of us that are always ready to hop on. So, uh, but yeah, if, uh, if you haven't met me yet, hello and uh, buckle up. Yeah. And, and Brian also writes for the hockey writers as well. Um, oh yeah. You can I, check I out do. Both, but yeah. You can check out both of our jet stuff um, at the hockeywriters.com. Um, if you want our thoughts in written form, but if you want them in audio form, you're at the right place. Um, you are. Brian, let's get into, you know, the conversation that everyone's kind of been having. Um, the Jets attendance, Chris Johnson of The Athletic, um, the Steve Dangle Podcast Network, he's he's a part of uh, TSN, um, sat down with Mark Chipman for a one-on-one on the Jets attendance. Basically, the, the, the main takeaways to come out of that was the Jets really need to get back to 13,000. Um, Gary Bettman is coming to Winnipeg on Tuesday to do a fireside chat with fans. He's going to talk about media or talk with media, not talk about media. He's going to talk oh, with media before before the fireside chat. And then the fireside chat is with fans in the building, taking fan submitted questions. Um, so he's he visits every NHL team once a year, but it definitely feels like he's coming here. He's talking to corporate sponsors. He's having a fireside chat. Um, there's a lot going on here where the Jets need more season tickets. You know, the drive to 13,000. Bettman said when they moved back that without 13,000, it's not going to work. Um, 13,000 season tickets without sellouts, it's not going to work. And Mark Chipman basically said the same thing uh, in his article with Chris Johnson, saying it won't work over the long haul um, to keep this pace that they're at right now. And I think before I get your thoughts, it, it should be noted that ever since Christmas, the Jets' attendance has been fine. They've had four sellouts. I think one of their lowest games was uh, just under 14,000, and they've been like in and around like a rolling average of 94% um, in attendance, which, again, not sellouts, but it's fine. Um, and, and again, it's not sustainable. We need more season tickets. That All those things are true. Um, but what are your thoughts kind of going into this week, what you heard from the article from Chris Johnston and uh, – and Gary Bettman coming to town. Uh, I mean, my eyebrows were raised a bit because anytime this conversation comes up, the instinctual reaction from true North is always to be like, no, no, we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. Like there's, mm -hmm. there's, we're, there's nothing's going to happen. This is the first time that we've seen Chipman kind of like accept some responsibility for it. And like that mm -hmm. caused a little stir in me being like, that's, <laughs> yeah. this is, we haven't seen, <clears throat> This level of, I mean, it's it's less so accountability, and I feel like at this point it's just like necessity. Like True North has to look inward and realize that certain things don't work the same as they do, you know, in 2011 through 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't think there's a world, at least in the short term, where there's any threat of leaving because, like, let's let's be entirely honest, if they need to. They can just fall back on some support from David Thompson, who is the yeah. co-owner of True North, who is the richest man in Canada. And then, mm -hmm. like, let's let's be real. It's not like Chipman is hurting either. Like, he's he is rooted in the local business economy. And yeah. they own the building, which was, I know, the issue uh, with, you know, things back in 96. Um, so they get all the revenue from concerts, everything happening there, concessions they get all the revenue from the Burt. Yeah. They're getting from that. So like, it's not 
the same level of concern that I think I would have had if it was like, oh, it's so-and-so owns the building, so they have to compensate for that. Like, if if their attendance is on the uptick, which it has yeah. been, yeah. Um, they're making a decent amount of money, but I think the real issue here is there wasn't enough... I don't know if it's compassion is the right word, but understanding of the people who dropped their season tickets mm-hmm. um, during COVID. Mm-hmm. We were one of them. My family was one of them. And it was just, it was one of those things that didn't uh, really make sense for us anymore. And we need to look at this as how do we get people back into the building and reestablish that fan base? Because upping the prices during a time where most people lost their jobs um you're automatically seeing people who can't afford it anymore and Mm -hmm. i know he's like calling people individually and asking them things but like they try up up until covid and even like during they tried to lock people in for you know three to five years on contracts that doesn't work Mm -hmm. anymore people can't plan that far ahead in this economy Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) like it's it's not it's not something that can be done and uh yeah it's it's tough because there's always going to be a level of doubt because this is such a small market and it's not a market that the NHL necessarily needs to succeed as a league, which is frightening. Mm -hmm. Obviously the people are going to say, well, why are they not putting more effort into making sure the jets are fine when the coyotes are, you know, playing in a college arena. And I I, I agree with that, but they also, it's clear that they want to establish a foothold in the American Southwest. It's, they're not trying to establish some new market in the Canadian prairies. So like it's 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 from their business site. That's what that it makes sense. So yeah, I mean it's there's always a level of concern. I just don't think it's as pressing as some people are making it. And comparing it to, you know, the Jets that left the first time, who are now the Arizona Coyotes, and I mean I'd be like, this is even I I now I'm entertaining it. The Arizona Coyotes are gonna relocate in the next like one to two years if things actually don't get if they don't sign a arena lease and get a space uh, space in Arizona and start building an arena. They're going to go to Utah, Salt Lake city, whatever. That's not the case here. Um, I will admit. And I, I texted you guys the day that this happened saying like, now that Batman is involved, um, I'm a little more worried um, or, or I was a little more worried. And then a lot of the reasons you just said, I kind of fell back like earlier this season, Chipman did the interview with Darren Drager um he asked him point blank is there any threat of a sale or relocation he said no not on our watch um and i think bettman being here the fireside chat um is all like kind of corporate driven i mean um there's there's a lot of uh fan support there's a lot of walk-up ticket tickets that are being sold this season um especially in the back half of the year here where they've had sellouts the team is getting better um, and people are taking notice and and coming to more games, but their corporate sponsorship percentage, I believe, is like ten percent, fifteen percent in terms of season tickets. And every other Canadian market is in the mid forties, um, so they definitely need to get that number up. Gary Bettman can probably help with that, um, just because he's he's a man of power, and that simply gets more corporations to to do things, which is crazy to say, but it it's true and. Um, the, the the thing is, all the reasons you said, I'm not that worried at this point. If this stays for another four to five years, 
then there's a real problem. And it's like, okay, we haven't rebounded from COVID yet. What what's going on here? Um, but yeah, I, I, I think they're going to, I think they're going to be fine. I think the best quote I saw from the article from Mark Chipman was him saying for 10 years, we were a service organization and now we need to be a sales organization. And he said something like, I, I don't think we were any good of a service organization either, which it, it, to your point, they kind of took the fans for granted that forever Winnipeg campaign wasn't the greatest kind of threatening leaving. And, uh, and now they're changing to a sales organization in a sense. They need people to come back to game season ticket holders, corporate sponsorships um, need to come back. And, and I think that that will happen. I, I, I truly do. Um, I think two years of down attendance after the pandemic shouldn't kind of threaten the, the franchise in, in, in its entirety that they're just going to up and leave. Um, I think obviously there's a lot of reasons why people think that the fact that they already left once, but them owning the arena and David Thompson um, being a, a co-owner plus all the ties they have to downtown Winnipeg should be enough to just be like, all right, the jets aren't moving. Like it's their, it's true notice. Number one downtown Winnipeg attraction is the Winnipeg jets. So what's brings people downtown the most um, on a regular consistent basis. And they're, they're the owners and they're, they, that's their number one ticket. So um those are my thoughts. I mean, a, a lot of people in chat here are giving their thoughts. I'll kind of roll through some of the comments. Matt saying, uh, Chipman said before, is a two, three year plan to get back to 13,000. Is that still the case? I believe so. I mean, I think now it's a two to three year plan. And uh, he said, over They're the what, long 95, haul, this won't work. Right now? 9,500. Um, yeah, that, that, it's that like a pipe dream getting it back to 13, to be honest with you. Not, not like next year. But in like, no, like three years, in, like years? even even in long term, like it really? just seems unless unless the the global economy rebounds a little bit and makes it a little less hard to just exist, um, like it, it feels as if like getting people to even commit to one season is even in a couple years here seems to be a hard proposition for me to really believe. Because you're looking now at, um, you know, 3,500 additional season ticket holders. And obviously, you have to look at the corporate markets. I'm not asking for you to have like the uh, the platinum seats in Toronto where, uh, you know, halfway through the period, they're still empty. But we need some level of, you know, corporate groups buying up things. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I honestly think my biggest issue with how the Jets operate their ticket sales are the fact that. I had to stumble into the fact that there's student ticket deals that I didn't know about mm -hmm. where you have to go through and manually sign up for things where every once in a while I'll get a text being like, Hey, there are such and such, you know, you know, tickets available for this game. Um, you know, reply by now for, uh, for options. I had to find that myself. Um, occasionally I'll see a sponsored ad on Facebook for like a, Oh yeah, you've, they've got, uh, you know, two for Tuesdays with, you know, a, a fat boy and uh, a beer and a ticket. Um, or they've got like the thirsty Thursday deals for $69. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't really know about it until I just like stumbled into it. Like they need to have like a better understanding of the fact that if fans know about cheaper ticket deals, they're probably going to, you know, take people up on it. That's the thing. It's yeah. like, Listen, I am a born and raised Winnipeg, been here my entire life. And there's one thing that Winnipeg is, and people love a good deal here, myself <laughs> included. 
if you oh, can yeah. find literally just like a deal that drops things down to just a more affordable price, that building is small enough that there really is not a bad seat in there. No, like I'll sit like the 10th row of like one of the 300 sections and I can see just fine. Yeah. If people actually know that the Jets are putting these deals out there, they're probably going to help boost at the very least just single game attendance. Obviously, that's not what they're going for. But if, if you boost enough single game attendance, maybe then people will be like, oh, I could maybe do a mini pack. I could do, you know, you know, half a season. You need to do a better job of marketing your deals, because if you can start getting any sort of cost retention there, that's how you get back to 13,000. Mm -hmm. If you're just hoping that fans support and, you know, pleading with the, the fans to be like, hey, come on back is going to get you to 13,000 in addition to some corporate sponsors. I feel like that's where it's going to get tough. Yeah, and I agree. And uh, and Kim weighing in here kind of echoes your point. Like some of the headlines are, are talking about poor attendance, um, but Chipman and and what they're alluding to is the the poor season ticket base. And the, like I said, the attendance since Christmas, since the winter break, since people kind of took uh, notice that this team is a number one team. Um, fighting for the number one seed attendance has been fine like single game attendance maybe more people are are finding out about those single game deals where you get two burgers and two beers and two tickets for a hundred bucks which is really good um like that that's that's a good deal like you said winnipeggers love a good deal um maybe more people are figuring that out um but Bettman, chipman what they want what they need is a, a higher season ticket base um or what they're here to achieve and, and get more out of the corporate sponsors but the 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 thing is like all all the jets fans um they they hear these things and and the corporate sponsors are are what is needed jets fans are doing their part like the walk up <clears throat> excuse me the walk up sales the fact that their attendance has been better since christmas like this is not corporate sponsors buying up these tickets since christmas like these are jets fans doing their part walking up buying single game tickets supporting the team like they're absolutely doing their part and uh and it's it's interesting because you see all these headlines, like people are alluding to in chat here. You see all these headlines that are saying, "Oh, the the attendance it, it's not sustainable." All this stuff. Yet Jets fans are doing their part and walking up and and buying tickets. But the corporate base needs to be higher, and I think that's really just that that's the truth. And I think that's a big reason why Bettman is doing all of this 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 media stuff this week is. I forget who reported it, but someone reported saying he's going to come and try and get more corporate sponsors on board. Then he's doing media. Then he's doing the fireside chat. Um, I really think it's trying to to get the the corporate sponsorships up, which I think is is a big reason. Um, <clears throat> Kim bringing up another great point here: the Toronto journalists are the ones that are getting these stories. Darren Dreger uh, got the the interview with Mark Chipman, the video. Chris Johnson got the exclusive article. Um, Scott Billick brought up a great point yesterday on Twitter that like the Winnipeg media should be getting these opportunities. Like, can we Mac Mac Mike McIntyre, Scott Billick, Marotta Tesh, um, all the big the big J journos uh should be getting these opportunities because Winnipeggers want to hear from Winnipeggers on these stories, and the local reporters are more tapped into what the issues actually are for Jets fans and for maybe the local corporate sponsors. From the outside. Yes, the Chris Johnston and Darren Drager look and go, oh, bad season ticket base, bad attendance, and that's that's what results in the 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 uh, at, like the previous hockey BB attendance page. Yeah, the, that re results in Kim's earlier comment of just the headline saying poor attendance, but attendance has been better since Christmas. More people are buying single game tickets. 
Um, and the the Winnipeg local reporters know that. I what do you make of that whole like Chipman and uh Ch or Chipman's two interviews this season have both been with national reporters um who don't really have a finger on the pulse of what's really happening here in Winnipeg. I think it's a little frustrating. Um, at the very least, I would have anticipated something a bit more local with like, that's the thing. Like you, you get Chris Johnston with the athletic, but you have no input from Marat. Like, yeah, there, there's a level of it almost, I don't know if it's a lack of respect um, from, you know, the fact that, that they're the ones coming in and, you know, taking these, you know, these stories and, you know, portraying it from afar. But mm -hmm. I feel like true North also needs to understand that it would go a long way if they showed a bit more, you know, just general listening to the local mm -hmm. media, because you're all you see now is reactionary pieces from them to a report that comes out from Toronto that the jets are suffering um, you're, you're not going to get any sort of genuine reaction and, you know, local media coverage on it when they're not the ones reporting it. And like, they need to be the ones who are getting these scoops and Chipman is going and talking to, you know, these Toronto guys who have no clue what's what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's, it, it's frustrating because I feel like we would get much more genuine content out of what's going on here and way more context of the situation if we heard it from the people who actually cover this in the market i don't know if that's true north actively vetting the fact that they don't want to talk to local media because they know that they'll face more direct questions because let's be real in toronto they don't know what the real problems are so they, he, it's easy to dance around um mm -hmm. maybe that's the case uh but i i truly think that we would as fans we would get a better answer as to what's actually happening if we got those questions coming from the locals I 100% agree. And I, I'd like to see that, especially going forward with these issues um, and it being brought up by by both of the the national reporters. I'd like to see a, a local guy get a story here for yep. sure. Um, what what else was I going to say? I was going to say just as my final thoughts on, on this topic, and then we can talk maybe more Jets before we end it off talk about the actual on ice product. But um, I, I think, again, I was worried. When I first saw this story, when I first saw that Gary Bettman's coming to do a fireside chat, all these things, um, like Nicole said in, in chat here, scream like a panic situation. Um, I don't think we are close, like anywhere close to a panic situation. If this problem still exists in six years, seven years, that's time to panic. Even then, like, I, I just don't know. Like, True North has so much invested in downtown. They own the building. Are they really going to move out their number one main attraction, which is the Jets, being, brings a consistent group of people to games like two times a week minimum um, during the season? Uh, I just I, I just don't see it. And and then their co-owners, the richest man in Canada, like you said, one of the richest people in North America. Um, like it's I, I just don't see it, man. I just, I no. just don't like they've, they've invested so much into downtown. They have true North square, which is right across the street. Um, there's, there's just like all these headlines scream a panic situation. And I do think that the season ticket base needs to get up. That is a problem. The season ticket base needs mm -hmm. to be higher, but to think that one 
down season of uh, like last year, their attendance capacity average was 94%. This year, I think it's 87 to think like two years of decline after the pandemic um, outweighs the positives in this situation, which is the the co-owner being the, the richest dude in Canada, one of the richest people in North America, true North having millions upon millions invested into downtown um, and them owning the building, which like you said, in 96 wasn't the case. Um, I just, I, I don't, I don't see it, man. I just don't like, I, I, again, like I said, Batman being here and that, that kind of made me panic a little bit, but I've had a few days to think on it and I'm, I'm just not worried. Like I, I, when this happened, when this came up with Dreger earlier in the season, it was the same thing. It was like, Oh, like attendance is down. And like the jets are worried about it and kind of making national headlines here. Okay. Like again, look at that. Point, all those reasons like 11,000. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Like that's not what's happening here but anyways um the uh where was i yes earlier in the season darren Dreger did the the video chat um or the the one-on-one video with mark chipman and when that came up i thought of all the same things all right david thompson like rich like the 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 arena all those things um and now that Batman is involved, I'm, I, I was a little bit more worried, but I fall back on all those things because logically to me, that's just what makes sense is all those things being true. And, and maybe they, 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 they really do need a higher season ticket base that I'm not discrediting the issue here. Um, but I think Chipman's quote of them saying they're reinventing themselves, becoming a sales organization, uh, maybe improving in the customer service department, which I believe a lot of Jets fans had an issue with and, if Mark Chipman is calling them um, saying, why did you leave? Maybe that's why a lot of people are saying that. And he's hearing it on the phone. And he's going, oh, dang, we got to switch who we are because it's not working. Um, I think that's that's a start. They've identified the issue. They know what the issue is. They've realized that they've been a service organization, not a sales organization, and they need to switch that. Um, and that's that's enough for now. And I think um, this fireside chat and Bettman talking with the media is going to bring a lot of maybe not a lot, maybe a few answers. Maybe he'll deflect a lot of the questions sent his way. I'm not sure, um, but we'll see. Maybe he'll be very candid uh, in a way that it hurts or doesn't hurt. We'll see. Um, do you have any final thoughts on the attendance uh, topic in general? Not really. I feel like we've kind of, we've rolled through the sole sort of issues of it and where we stand on it. And obviously you know, the corporate, you know, people are going to stand differently on it, but yeah, I feel like, I feel like we've reached our level of sort of genuine understanding of what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think that's good. I mean, I think, uh, it's a tough conversation to have the Jets. Oh, hundred percent. It's, it sucks, right? Like it's, um, this team has left once before, so it's, it's tough to talk about, but let's, Let's end this off. Um, we like to go for a little bit of like near an hour uh, with these Sunday lives. Thank you to everyone once again who's in chat joining us, um, having their thoughts in the comment section below. We really appreciate it. Let's get more into some on-ice topics as we head into this game tonight against the Arizona Coyotes, um, who have lost a million games in a row. Tuesday against the St. Louis Blues. Thursday against the Dallas Stars. Um, three Central Division opponents. Um, let's, let's quickly talk about that Dallas game. The jets have struggled against Dallas this year. Um, there was that one game earlier in the year. It was the same day as the bombers West final. That's how I remember it because I was watching it before I went to the game. Um, but they, they, 
you fell behind and had a really good third period, but just couldn't beat. Um, I believe Wedgwood started that game. I think the Jets really need to prove that they can beat Dallas at least once in the regular season, because if they get swept by Dallas going into the playoffs and maybe have to play them round one or play them round two, that could be an issue. Um, what are you looking for over these next couple games? Obviously Arizona tonight, but then you play two playoff teams um, in St. Louis and then going on the road to Dallas. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I said it earlier, they should hopefully take care of business tonight. Um, right. And I think the Jets match up really well with what St. Louis does. And mm -hmm. they've shown that before in the past and they haven't really changed their style too, too much. Like they're definitely improved. Um, but I think it'd be best for everyone if uh, the Jets, you know, laid an absolute beating to the blues because then uh, we could beg and plead them to leave uh, Buchnevich in Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I, I feel like, yeah, like you mentioned it too, the Dallas game is huge because yeah, we haven't seen them in a while. And that was at the beginning of that little run there from the Jets that was almost unstoppable. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to get a much closer look uh, at what these two teams match up against with each other. And I would like to see a game where they can actually convert on their chances against a really good team, because we're probably going to get Ottinger uh, who probably. I think is still a top five goalie in, you know, in the West yeah. at the very least. Mm -hmm. um, and he's shown in the past that he can steal games much like Connor Hellebuck can. Yeah. And I think that if you can convert, I would feel really good about the ability of Connor Hellebuck to help keep Dallas limited. And yeah. that's where I'm looking. It's I think it, the, the battle will really end up in the nets because both teams have the ability to blow it wide open, but they also both have the ability to keep it very close so yeah. yeah, I'm I'm gonna be looking at that and I'm concerned in the sense of I don't know where this team is at in terms of you know competition against truly like the best teams out there. We saw some really good work against Vancouver, but mm -hmm. since then it's been a lot of lower of the the standing teams. So this is our next sort of big look here. Like obviously St. Louis is a playoff team. I don't see them in that same tier though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Dallas is a contender in the West and uh, St. Louis, as good as they've been this year, they're in Bubble. the playoff mix, not a contender in the West. Like they're they're not there. So um, I'm I'm really excited for all these games coming up here. Central Division rivals. I mean, they played the Hawks on Friday as well. So keeping the Central Division thing going, that'll be fun. Brassois Tuesday gets the Blues. Heli back in versus Stars from Matt here in chat. I'd think so. I, I like I said, I think Brassois gets a start and Hellebuck has to play against the stars. I mean, I don't yep. I I I I'd like to see Hellebuck versus Ottinger. I mean, we saw Hellebuck versus Demko in that Saturday Vancouver game that you mentioned there. The goaltending duels in the West are are pretty awesome to watch. And yeah, uh, in the playoffs they're gonna be pretty awesome as well, which makes me more worried for the Oilers, not gonna lie. Um, but yeah, let's let's uh let's get into that Dallas game. I mean, I, my thoughts the Jets need to prove like they proved they could beat Colorado. They actually smacked Colorado once at home. This a couple year, times too. Yeah. And then the week before that, I believe they beat them on the road for two. Um, so they've proven multiple times that they can beat 
the Hart Trophy maybe front runner and Nathan McKinnon, or at least at minimum top three, Nate McKinnon um, and Kale McCarr and company, but they haven't proven that they can beat Dallas. And I think they need to, I think just for the mental uh, to be in a right space, I think they need to beat them once before the season ends. That would be nice. Uh, Doug saying would much rather play the as in round one than the stars. I 100% agree. Um, the as have, have depth issues. Like they really do. They have like, no goaltending. No goaltending, depth issues, and like, yeah, they have Nathan McKinnon, Kel McCarr, Miko Rantanen, Devon Taves. Like, they have their first line of like first forward line, first defense line is absolutely stacked and one of the best in the NHL. You're getting some serious After regression that, from guys who were like legitimately good during the cup room. Like, I was doing, I was doing a deep dive on Bowen Byram. Oof. He is just an absolute disaster this year. Which, like, and he was how much of that is concussion related because he's had, I mean, lot, I think it's which, possible, yeah. But like, even last year, like when he was coming back from some of his injuries, like after the cup run there where he was so good, he still looked like, oh, this guy's you know, a, a good player. He has been truly like a shock as to how rough it's been this year for him. And yeah. as you said, like, truly, aside from that top group of players, the rest of the Avs don't really terrify me as much as they used to yeah but again the avs are another team where uh, the jets power plays come around as, as of late their penalty kills been better in the calendar year 2024 but the special teams could still be a huge factor like the avs have a power play where they could score two power play goals in a game and if the jets can't match up then that's that's it's like tough, nathan right? mckinnon is a game changer regardless of the rest of the team yeah 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 i think if the jets played the avs in round one um, I know the Jets got largely outplayed, uh, at least by the expected goals in that Jets Oilers series uh, during COVID. But I think it would be largely like that. Like you see McDavid, you see Drysaddle, maybe they load them up together. Um, but that Oilers team had major depth issues, and I think the Jets could really take advantage of that. We talked earlier on the live on how good this team is, how good their depth is. Um, with Perfetti even on the fourth line at this point, like I think that's that's going to be a huge advantage going into the playoffs and Dallas, I think can match up depth wise Colorado. I don't think so. So I a hundred percent agree with Doug here. Um, C-Mac bringing up a great, uh, a great question here. Ehlers had his breakout game against the Hawks, his first two goals in 11 games or 10 gate. He went 10 games without scoring. Um, and then he got the two who is tonight's jet who goes off uh, on a bad team in the schedule. He offers up Kyle Connor, Perfetti, Lowry, Niederreiter, um, if you had to pick one, Brian, who's who's your uh, prediction for, uh, I don't know, a big night tonight against one of the the struggling teams, let's say, in the NHL? Uh, which, before I start, I just want to say we're in the last few minutes here of uh, today's LFP Live. So if you want to get a question in and we'll you know talk about it quickly, yeah. sort of rapid fire, fire away. Um, this, this is the time to do it. So yeah. uh, back to the question. I'm actually going to take a Cole Perfetti goal tonight. Wow. Uh, okay. Because I, I mean, the Arizona depth is frightening to look at. Um, and if you're going to be putting a level of skill against whatever Arizona is icing, um, I think you got a chance for the fourth line to actually put up a couple of points here. Yeah. And, uh, Granted, we don't actually know what the lines are going to look like. Um, right. 
I, I would assume they like, go back to it. I mean, I, I don't know. We'll see. Because like that was the thing. Because like we also don't know like a level of is he gonna you know stick around on that specific lineup or is there a level of maybe we you know we've sent our message. Um, but regardless, I'm taking a Cole Perfetti goal. Okay, I I think Kyle Connor. I mean, he had the the great third period against Vancouver where he set up both Velarde and Shifley. I think tonight he scores a goal, maybe two. Um, and he, he's been looking more like himself, at least in the offensive zone lately. And I think uh, I, I'm going to put some faith in that top line. I think my big prediction for this game is that the top line has an above 50% expected goals percentage. Oh, take I know, it easy. I know, I know. At 5-on-5, five at 5-on-5. Um, if, if it's Connor Shifley, Velarde, if it's not, it's void because if Ehlers moves up, we already know they're going to be above 50 because that's just, absolutely Ehlers lines just nail the expected goals every game. Um, but that's my big prediction. My actual, uh, if I had to pick a player, I think Kyle Connor gets it going tonight and drops a few goals. Um, Doug, given his thoughts, he thinks the whole Lowry line gets it going tonight. That line has been really good as of late. We talked about the Chicago game where they struggled. That was very uncharacteristic. But they've been they've been shutting teams down. They've been unbelievable since the All-Star break. Um, Bingo Bango saying, I think AI breaks out. Matt Hyman, Brendan Dillon going to get a couple tonight. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I get the, gets... the two goal games from uh, Dillon and a hat trick from Nino. Have a repeat of the last one. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he, that was, that was a, that was a fun game. Looking back on that. Game, I feel like was, he's like fun. a goal or two away from, the most goals he's ever had in his entire career. Yeah. He's, he's tied his career high with six. And I believe, one I think even in seven. like junior. Yeah. 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 So most this goals is, this in his is life. <laughs> Prolific scorer, Brendan Dillon. We need him to get one more, man. We need, we yeah. need that. Um, uh, choice STK asking here, trade deadline, top six forward or defense slash both. Um, I, I'm going to go defense here. I think Chris Tanev, Sean Walker, right-handed shot defenseman would be their best course of action in a sense. Um, forward, I really like the depth. I really like, you know, if they if they switch the lines around a little bit, get some better production out of certain guys, I don't think that they have too much, too many holes to fill up front. And maybe Rucker McGrady's a player in the playoffs. Maybe they think that. Um, but anyways, I'm going to go defense on this one. I think it's the more glaring need um, if they were to add over these next, what, I think it's another two weeks to the deadline. Yep. But what um, are your thoughts? I, I agree. Defense? I, I totally yeah. agree. I, it just does not seem like the jets to spend more assets on a forward group that they've already spent a first on. Yeah. Um, I would very much like to see someone who can bump Pionk out of that top four. Um, whether like, listen, I, I am a, massive proponent of Dylan DeMello. But if you get someone like a Chris Tanev, I would put him with Morrissey because as good as DeMello is defensively, Tanev improves on it. Mm-hmm. And then you could run a, which I, I get a kick out of this every time, a Dylan DeMello pairing. Yes. Um, but then Ultra you also, defense. you have, you have options though, where if that struggles and, you know, maybe bonus really just likes to see Dylan and Pionk together, then you get Sandberg and DeMello, DeMello. and, I like how they, I mean, they wouldn't do anything offensively, but they probably wouldn't allow anything either. And unfortunately that would mean Nate Schmidt would get bumped out. And ultimately I think if it's possible, 
you swing a deal that moves him as a salary. Uh, mm. I don't think it happens, but that's, I think that's the way I would go. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, defense, I think is the bigger need. Nicole saying, I'm hoping Nino gets a few points tonight. Yeah, that third line's been around it, been around the net. Nino's already uh, always around the net, uh, making things happen. I I could totally see him scoring tonight. Doug, does Baron move up? He would move up for so. Ayafalo. I I don't think so. I mean, he has well, played really well of his, as of late, and he he was sick in the Vancouver game, didn't even finish the game. Um, but I like the way he played on. We do have to keep Friday in mind though that clearly there was a level of issue that bonus had because apparently it was not illness the other night when he was healthy scratched. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. Um, I think they so, just wanted to get guys in. I, and uh, I think yeah. you'll see more of that going forward because but I feel like if you're going to move him that. up, you're not going to be healthy scratching him. So right. that's, that's fair. Yeah. And I think in March, Kapari, Stanley, maybe even Hanala, if they find a way to get him up, um, are going to get a lot of games because, like we said, we they're going to be playing a million games in the month of March. So um, so we found out during this LFP Live that this is Elliot's account. Um, but he's predicting a three-point Perfetti night. Um, uh, let's see here. What else will we able to see? C-Mac, Chikrin, and Tarasenko from Ottawa. Go get both. That would cost a pretty, pretty penny. Um, I also don't be... know if I want Tarasenko. I, I was going to say I don't know if I want Chikrin. I'd, I like, out of the two, I would prefer Chikrin. Oh, Tarasenko is yeah. a shell of his former self and somehow worse defensively than most forwards that we have on this team. He would be a finisher, which the Jets kind of do need. I mean, they, they generate a lot and they, they generate a lot off the cycle. They need some guys to put pucks in the net. Um, but Chikrin, I, I do like for the price. I don't know if I do. Um, I feel like it would be a first plus a really good prospect. Well, all of a sudden they're open him. for business. Yeah. And, and Chikrin, I feel that he has some struggles defensively. Um, and he's a really good puck mover, really good offensively, incredible slap shot. That would be an asset on the jets power play, but defensively, I don't know if there's really a fit there. Do they need more puck movers? Yes. Um, but for the price that might be, that might be a lot, uh, in terms of price, Matt saying, I think it's likely the flyers package sealer and Walker in a trade, not, not necessarily to the jets, but there are rumors going around. I saw recently a report that the Flyers were talking extension with Nick Sealer. Um, Sean Walker, I think, is getting moved. And I think he is an oiler. I think Sean Walker is an Edmonton oiler. Uh, they need a right-hand shot in the worst way. Uh, a puck mover completely fits their system. Um, I don't think they package them in the same deal. I could see them each getting traded separately. But if I had to guess... Uh, Sealer gets extended or gets a new contract with Philly and stays and Walker gets traded to the Oilers. That's my, that is my prediction for those two. What do you, you agree or what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, uh, I don't see a world where the Oilers aren't going to just go all in for a Sean Walker. Uh, so I, don't know, I think, yeah, it, it seems like that's, that's in, the though. likely, I think they get Gensel. Or like they they they're I think to Vegas gets Gensel. Really? Well, uh Jack Eichel, LTIR. Right. Mark Stone, Stone is going to be out a while. Um, so Jake Gensel to Vegas confirmed. I'm I'm calling it now. <laughs> confirmed. Um, Sources are saying. Yeah. 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 I I I I don't know. I think the the push all the chips into the table move for the Oilers is Gensel. 
And if I were them, I'd be going all in because you got two years left to dry sidle like this year and next year. And then you've got three years left of McDavid, um, including this year. Um, so I, I don't know, man, I, 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 I just, I, I, the Oilers have so many, so many issues, but they're so good. It's such a weird, such a weird, uh, dynamic there. C-Mac bringing up the Chikrin thing with two years of term, he paid a first and a second should be cheaper now with only one year of term. That is true. Um, it, it might be a little bit cheaper. Um, Ottawa was pretty high on him when they went to go get him. So would they even want to move him? But that, that is true that the price would be cheaper than that. Theoretically. Um, Wadi 1972 from Twitter, Twitter comments popping up here. Um, Perfetti for Gentle push all in with other draft picks. If necessary, try Tanev as well. Tanev. I feel like if the jets are going to, or I, yeah, Tanev would be my ideal right D, uh, acquisition. Yeah. I honestly like um, you, you brought up the fact that pushing him in and then having DeMello play with Sandberg and DeMello, that would be, um, that would be fantastic. The, the decor would be fully kind of flushed out at that point. Perfetti for Gensel and kind of pushing those in. I, I don't agree with that. I think the jets with their prospects coming in like Rutger, um, uh, Brad Lambert, sorry. Uh, Billy Hanel is going to be a player next year. Like I think that's the, the next wave. Um, and yes, per Freddie for Gensel would be pushing the chips all the way in and would make the jets better right now. Um, but for sus sustained success, I, I don't know. Do you, what do, what do you think about a, like a perfetti for a, a big swing, whether it's Gensel or, or not No. I mean, for me, the whole thing is, I believe there's better fits in the forward group without having to, you know, deal a top tier prospect. Mm -hmm. where like you can probably get away or like even if it is like someone who's not already making an impact in an NHL lineup like as much as the focus has been on Cole Perfetti he's still a really good player and I yeah, feel like giving true. him up for a Jake Gensel would be rash and I don't think that would be the best move what I would like though to see them do is move like a uh you know one of their their named prospects um and you know, a pick for a guy like Pavel Buchnevich, which mm -hmm. I've said before, like if, if they are looking to add a, a guy who can, you know, make a difference in that top six, I would go there because it's not going to take, you know, your, an NHL player, uh, a young NHL player at that. Uh, it'll probably take, you could probably get it done for, you know, the, the Montreal second, a, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, maybe maybe a Chaz Lucius if they're willing to take that on, um, yeah. or I would I would do it. Yeah, and uh, again, I think Rucker McGordy. I think he's a player in the playoffs. Like I think he's going to have an impact on this team, whether it's down the stretch or into the playoffs or whatever the case may be. I also think that the Jets think that. Uh, so I I don't think that they're going to be adding another forward. Um, and then Rutgers going to be coming like whether or not you think Rutgers going to be a player this year, I think it's almost a lock that he's on the Jets opening night lineup next season. So any player that you get, um, would they block maybe a, a Rutger next year? A lot of those guys in the bottom six are still under contract. A lot of players in general are still under contract. Um, C-Mac here saying, don't give up on Perfetti. Going to be a 70-point players in two, two years patience. I 100% agree. 
I mean, sometimes we forget the fact that he's what, 21, 22 years old. That's the thing. Very, the, very the COVID years shoved him into a pro role immediately. Yeah. And he's, we saw it this se- this season. We saw it. He's, he's struggling. He's young. Rick bonus talked about it. The ebbs and flows of a season, young players don't know how to handle it. I'm pretty sure Perfetti told Scott Billick also that um, maybe if he was in Shifley or Lowry's position, he'd know how to better handle a situation like a slump like this. Um, he, he's going to be fine. And uh, I think he's going to bounce back maybe even as early as the month of March, um, like like coming up here, this next stretch of games, if he gets moved back up into the top six, starts producing again. Um, but I, I, I agree. Don't give up on Perfetti. Patience, absolutely. If they do bring in a top six or bring in Rutger, who do you think comes out of the lineup? I'd think it'd be Baron. Uh, Either Baron or Appleton, because they're not going to just kick like a Perfetti out of the lineup. They're not going to take Appleton out. As much it's as they gonna, should, they won't. Niederreiter, Lowry, Appleton will be the Jets' third line for the rest of the season. I don't think that's Which option. is unfortunate because Mason Appleton is riding along and he has Niederreiter, Lowry, yeah. guy. <laughs> like, Niederreiter, Lowry, McGrory would be really fun. I'm not like truly Appleton profiles better as a fourth line guy, but he's one of those ones that just gets stapled and stays. Uh, C Mac here bringing up with the 91 or, or Perfetti Meskov fourth line. Rutger at least has that spot to grab, and then that line will be humming. Perfetti Meskov McGrordy fourth line going into the, the playoffs, maybe. Um, yeah, what. Wadi bringing up the the Perfetti Gensel thing again. I I mean, yeah, if you, if you're pushing all your chips into the table, that that's definitely pushing them all in. Um, best winning percentage in the West that rarely comes around. I do think the Jets are going to add further uh, over the next two weeks or whatever it is um, because they have that that high percentage. But pushing the chips in like a Perfetti for Gensel, I don't think is in the cards for them. I think it's more of a uh, trade a a second, maybe the Montreal second and a prospect for a Chris Tanev or um, a future first for um, another defenseman, uh, Noah Hannafin or something of that of that nature. Yeah. Um, Better fit. Yes. <clears throat> and and like, ones that are not saying you know, that Jake Gensel wouldn't like immediately improve this team because he would. I just don't know. It's also incredibly uncharacteristic of the Jets to mm-hmm. do such an incredibly large move and move or i mean an nhl prospect that would be in the fact like the fact that he, he was playing top six this year um it would get it done on i think so but i just don't yeah. i can't see it happening and as as good as they are and as good as they have been uh it feels like they're at this point going to fill more roles than they are just going to acquire the best guy available and shove them in and figure it out after yeah yeah, I 100% agree. Um, thank you to everyone who's who's joined us on this Sunday morning, our second edition yeah. of LFP Live. We're super excited to keep this going. We're going to be back next Sunday doing the same thing, same time. Come on by. Um, thank you to everyone who's in the comments regularly, dropping these questions, giving us things to talk about, sharing your thoughts. Um, we really appreciate it. We really appreciate you making us a part of your morning, your Sunday mornings. Um, and yeah, we love doing this. And uh, we'll be back. What is it? Episode 70 coming out Tuesday. Yeah. So we'll be recording the Joe Morrow episode, the Joe Morrow episode. Yes. We will be recording Monday um, with our thoughts on the coyotes game. We kind of teed it up a little bit here. We'll be giving our thoughts on that previewing the blues game that night. Um, And then Wednesday we'll be recording. That one will be largely around the Batman stuff. His comments when he speaks to the media, speaks to the fans. 
So stay on, stay on the lookout for that Tuesday and Thursday uh, for episode 70 and 71 of the Level Flight podcast. But Brian, how's it feel? Got your first LFP live. I mean, I, I'm a vet at this point. I, I already did one. So. Yeah, it's just, yeah, you're you're on your second. <laughs> yeah. And uh, no, this is great. Um, it, it, it's something that we've wanted to do for a long time where it, it gets us way more in direct contact with the people who are listening to our show and mm-hmm. we can't express our appreciation enough and it hasn't happened yet but with the release of this as an audio episode we're about to have our first ever thousand download month uh that we've yeah. ever had and like our our biggest we've we've surpassed our biggest month uh, a while ago and we're just climbing and climbing and climbing and this is it's all thanks to you guys and we can't say enough about how great our community has been is that we've started building up and it's you know something where for a long time since we've started we wanted to add more content to become more immersed in this jets community and you know adding the shorter episodes during the week make it a lot easier for more people to listen and sort of mm-hmm. become part of that. And now we can actually directly reach out to you on a Sunday morning. There we Everyone's, go. you know, having their coffees. Um, if you've even got my dad in the chat here, he's, you know, he's awake. <laughs> he's watching. There he is. We got, we got hey, Doug, we go. got Doug going here. So no, thank you so much, everyone. Um, I, I can't say enough. And as, as Connor said, this is a second already. So I'm behind, I'm behind a little bit, but, yeah. Um Lots my first I just want to I want to say thanks to everyone for coming in this morning. We've had a very sustained viewer base and uh for welcoming welcoming us into your homes. Yes, yes exactly. And Rob saying he'll be back now that he's subscribed. If you're here for the first time, be like subscribe. Rob, subscribe. Um click the little bell yeah. so you get a notification when we are going live when we release new episodes. Exactly, exactly. Make sure you're subscribed if you're here on YouTube um and hold on let me take this comment away for a second there are, both of our twitter handles are there at ywg brian and at connor Harabchak one uh follow us on twitter as well and yeah thank you everyone for all your support rolling through all the comments here great show great show thank you everyone we really appreciate it join us again next sunday and stay on the lookout for tuesday's episode and thursday's episode and we will talk to you then have a great day everyone and enjoy the game tonight if you're headed to the game or watching on tv Enjoy the game. The Jets should win. Um, Hopefully. Coyotes have lost a lot of games. So here we go. Um, Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Second edition of LP Live. We really appreciate you coming out, and we will see you on Tuesday. See you Tuesday. You're listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. 